0: Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for allowing me to be here. Again, I tell Matt, this is... I do not like speaking in public. I'd rather, much rather be serving and caring and chatting and doing those kind of things, having coffee with people. But he keeps asking me because this has kind of been the focus of my life for quite a while. It's focusing on Sabbath and ideas of Sabbath. So even for the last three weeks, there's just been so many thoughts and this sermon's gone through like eight iterations, and even this morning, because I'm I'm somewhat my personality is I am an extrovert. I am a J on the Myers Briggs sometimes, but oftentimes I like just, let's see what the Spirit does and see where He my my guide is. Uh, but so I wanted kind of what I felt the Lord is really kind of pressing on me in our time together is what I've been experiencing. Since I've been practicing the Sabbath. So you know, I first started living into a Sabbath way of life or Sabbath rhythm back in 2004, 5, 6, 7. So I've been kind of walking on this journey for some time. Um, but like many of us, when you start disciplines or practice, like how many of you have like learned some, like part of your your path as a follower of Jesus is to have some type of rhythms or practices, like getting up in the morning to to read your Bible, or coming to a Sunday gathering. We all find these rhythms and these habits that help us, that kind of fuel us to give us some some ways to keep our eyes set on Jesus. Well, sometimes we can lose sight of Jesus, and we get so enamored by the practice. And in fact, if you look through the story of of the Hebrew people, they God in, in creation. I know you've been studying the book of Genesis and six days God created. And there's evening and morning, and God looks back and every day is good. He gets to the seventh day and he says it's just Shabbat, this rest. And it's like this mighty King comes to dwell on the earth and take up residency with his people, and we make that day Shabbat. Like we make it, we give it all of our energy today. We're coming to like embrace this rhythm of stopping and resting. And sometimes, just like the Hebrew people, we, for, we can forget about what we're supposed to be resting to or resting toward. And a lot of our practices become like that. When we pray, we forget like who we're praying to, because it's become something that we just wrote, or it's just something we pick up. So I really feel, I just want to press into that a little bit. One of the words that was kind of how this began to be emerged in me, Dallas Words been a pretty significant influence on my life. He was a philosophy professor at UC Berkeley, uh, but just an incredible man of God. And he would say one of of our issues with any of these practices, whether it's Sabbath or Sunday service or prayer or reading the Bible, silent solitude, is oftentimes he says that we make the means more important than grace grace be in the person of jesus so i want to unpack that a little bit today in our our reading jesus if you have your bibles turn to matthew and chapter 11 we're going to kind of use this as our focus but i want to read you the bigger context because there's something significant going on here if you look at the book of matthew the writer of matthew matthew's one of the four gospels it's one of the biographies of this person who is called jesus the messiah the christ the anointed one. And Matthew is really, really focused on that. Jesus is this coming Messiah. He was the one that was going to bring hope to the people of Israel. In fact, all the Sabbath, not just the Sabbath day, but the seven sacred festivals. uh, Every seventh year, there was a a time to let the land rest. Every seven times seven years, there was this year of jubilee. And what Matthew, the writer, is trying to let you know is that this Jesus you're about to read about, he is the promised hope that was coming to fulfill all the law and the prophets. To me, it isn't that, that to me, that's just like, that's what it's about. And so we come to this passage. Jesus has been announcing his, his coming kingdom. If you look through Matthew 1 through 4, he's announcing his public ministries begin. He goes, the, he goes into the wilderness. is kind of how we've kicked off Lent. This last week, he goes into wilderness to be tempted, Satan comes to him with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, trying to draw him away from the Father. But he, living in, he quotes these beautiful passages that come out of the exile, through Exodus, these people that have been rescued from Egypt. Jesus is focused on the Father, and he uses that. And so he announces this public ministry. He announces that the kingdom of God comes. He preaches this amazing sermon, and. In fact if you really want to hear a good sermon i would sit down we just read matthew 5 through 7 about the kingdom of god and so he teaches this amazing sermon and then he goes out declaring that the kingdom has come through all these mighty acts and then people begin to make a choice through verses 8 on chapters 8 9 and 10 how are we going to receive this person who's come as the messiah and a lot of the responses are like ah, i don't think he's the one even his own cousin john the baptist says like I'm not sure about this. At once I was like, I was pretty sure, but now I'm like, I'm not sure. So even his own cousin begins like, I'm not sure about this Jesus. And then we get to these these chapters in um, Matthew chapter 11. And Jesus, and I'll start with uh, verse 25. Jesus begins to pray, as we all do when we face uh, rejection or pain or hurt. It's like we go to the Father. And so Jesus is goes to He says, at that time, verse 25, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. So I hope that's our posture today, that we come as little children with all this yearning to trust and to look for the Father to be our provider, the one who will take care of us. And so, as little children, God, we come to you this morning. He says, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. That's Jesus' upside-down kingdom, revealing his wisdom not to the mighty or to the most well-taught or learned, but to the children. And that's who we are. He says, verse 27, all these things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal himself. And then he comes to this wonderful passage. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And as soon as Jesus says that, he goes into this wonderful story about how he lives into the Sabbath. And I want to read that to you because in this, in this story, at the very end of this story, Jesus pronounces this, I am Lord of the Sabbath. So at that time, Jesus, uh, Matthew 12, verse 1, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Immediately, we're going like, wait. If we're, if we're a person who's been reading the story of the Bible and we know that the the law of the Torah says, wait, that's not something you're supposed to do on the Sabbath, Jesus. So what's going on here? But his disciples were hungry, and they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priest. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath, and yet they are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus, just to kind of to bring the point even a little bit close to home, look what he says in verse 9. So going from the grain fields, he goes right into their synagogue. And he sees a man with a shriveled hand who's there, and looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they ask him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls in a pit on the Sabbath, Will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Man, as I've been, like, man, I've been... You know one of the things when you when you're you know asked to share kind of your meditations I mean I've been you kind of sit with this these passages for a long time and there's all kinds of things that begin to percolate so I'm just kind of curious as we as we just did a cursory reading through this story is there a word or a phrase that just kind of begins to like emerge for you like that you'd be willing to like kind of share or speak out loud to the group no pressure but if there is is there a word that we're going to phrase that as we just kind of read through that for you. Yeah, I thought just the recent part we just read in chapter 12, verse 12, um, about is man not more valuable than mm-hmm. a sheep? And it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath, as in, we're not here to just. Follow like on my Sabbath I never work, but then what if your neighbor suddenly is sick and they need you to go to the grocery store to get like groceries for them? Or something yeah, like that? Yeah. What does God want you to do? Sabbath is about focusing on God, and He's going to call you to do things on the Sabbath sometimes. Yeah. And it's not about hey I'm not working so I'm I'm not answering my phone mm-hmm. whatever. Maybe obviously it's good to like shut off phone and stuff, but we do want to have eyes open for work. Yeah, know. yeah, that's good. Anybody else? Anything else? That a word or phrase? We'll come back to that. I think for me, I really um, like when it says, "I am gentle and humble in heart." It really shows, really like inside of who Jesus is, like, um, just yeah, healing the man is. He is gentle and humble in moments where, yeah, even if he thinks that he's going against the law, that is his natural nature to be gentle and humble, and. That's just, he can't be, stop being that just yeah, because yeah. of some law. It just comes out of him. And in the same way, if we become more like Christ, it's just like that should naturally come out of us. But yeah. sometimes it's hard, you know? Yeah, you're, you're, both, you're <laughs> both like you're pressing into what the truth is, is that, again, there, there's a practice, there's a habit, there's a rhythm, and it does something in us. And it begins to change us. It makes us humble and meek. It makes us want to do good and to be merciful on a day that's supposed to be set. And once and so so there's this when we're when we're when we're living into these rhythms and we're focused on the rhythm that's pointing to this person whose name is Jesus. And that's what the, the beautiful thing about the whole story of the ancient Israel. And again sometimes I when I'm teaching on Sabbath it's like I mean I love to talk about stopping and resting and delighting and worship. And sometimes it's like, man, I go away and go, I forgot, it's all about Jesus. (laughs) We stop so we can focus on Jesus. We rest so we can be with Jesus. We delight so we can turn our attention to the one who fills us full of joy we worship so we can cry out, Jesus, it's all about you. And that's what was happening throughout all of ancient Israel. Not only did they have a day, one day a week, where they said, like, there's a coming hope. It's not fulfilled now. There's a coming. There's a coming time when a jubilee will come. Well, I will release the land. People who are blind will see. When those who are lame will walk. When when those who are hungry are fed. And so, how did Jesus see himself? He saw himself as the one who was bringing that jubilee into the world. If you go to Luke chapter four, oh, let's do that real quick. I'm on my iPad. I think I can do that. Luke chapter four. Jesus goes into the synagogue. You know, he goes to his little, he's, he's in Nazareth, and every, if there was like, I think if it's like there was more, a little few more than 10 more, uh, 10 Jewish men, you could have a synagogue. Don't come here. You know, Wikipedia, but it's somewhere around that, you could, certain number of people, you could have a synagogue. His little town of Nazareth, let's say it's about somewhere between 8,000 to 1,000 people living in this little small town. He goes into the synagogue, as was his custom. Keep note of that. He stood up to read the scroll of the prophet, verse 17, chapter 4. This is what he says. Unrolling the scroll, he found this place. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, to recover his sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord. So Jesus saw him as the anointed one. He was the Messiah. He was the one who was bringing the Jubilee. The Sabbath, the sacred festivals, the seven sacred festivals, um, the seventh year, the Jubilee, it was all pointing to Jesus. Jesus was what the story is all about. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. Sorry. And so that's why he says, and so when we get to our verse, come to me, Jesus is proclaiming that he is the one that they should be. They were looking for all along. He's come, God has come to dwell with people on earth through the person of Jesus. And he has come to take away those who are weary and burdened. He's, he's come to be with those who are weary and burdened because he's the one who is the jubilee. That's what it was all pointing to. And so there he does what every every rabbi does is it he invites you and me to come and take his yoke. And so the easy yoke of the rabbi, Jesus, is when he says, Come to me, he's saying, My yoke is believing in me. That's it. The easy yoke of Jesus is proclaiming, Lord, I trust you that you are the coming Messiah, the hope of the nation of Israel. My hope, our hope, the hope of this people in this this room. And so Jesus begins to go and invite others to come follow him. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And he especially came to those who are weary and burdened because the reality is, is that everybody has a yoke. We're all yoked to something. Some of us are yoked to our jobs. Some of us are yoked to philosophies that are taking us, that we think that they're bringing us somewhere, but they're bringing us to places that are far away from where God would want us to be. But we all have some type of yoke. But Jesus says that his yoke is easy. And it's simply, again, that we trust him, that we look to him. In the Old Testament, a yoke was an idiom for yoking yourself to the Torah. A rabbi would often have, every rabbi in the Old Testament, New Testament, would have a yoke. It's a way that they understood the Torah. And it's how they taught people how to live lives as human in the here and now. So every rabbi had a Torah, had a way to live the Torah, to pursue the Torah. Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of of the Torah. If you go back and read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, verse seven, Jesus proclaims that I didn't come to do away with the Torah. I came to fulfill the Torah, that I am the fulfillment of the Torah. Me in the flesh, in the person, I've come to show you how to really live. I love how Eugene Peterson says in the message that I've come to show you how to live into the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. It's so beautiful. And then Jesus says, "Not only do I have a yoke, and not always my yoke easy it's my yoke is like just trusting in me, professing in me, knowing that I care for you, I love you just so if you go back into the garden story in Genesis chapter one, where Adam and Eve are with God in this beautiful garden, having wonderful fellowship with God, everything is fruitful and they're multiplying, and they're they're strolling in this garden, working with God, and the beauty of this garden, and their work is just Resting with God, taking care of creation with God, in this garden space with God. That's a, Doesn't that sound like a wonderful, beautiful, easy work? Being with God. There's no toil, there's no thorns, there's no thistles, there's no pain in childbirth. There's just a beautiful presence being in the presence of God, the cool of the day, walking with Him. Experience all that your heart, soul, longs for, even in this world. And so, But we're not in that story, that part of the story anymore. We've left the garden. We're in exile. We're in this wilderness. And so Jesus comes to us and says, I know you're weary. I know you're burdened. Take my yoke. Trust again in me. Find rest in me. I am your Sabbath. I am your rest. I am your ultimate rest. I'm the jubilee of jubilees. And he says, my yoke is light. This yoke also has the idea of... You know, it's a way that we can share burden. So, if you yoked yourself to the Torah, the promise was you would have the good life. If you yoked yourself to Jesus, Jesus promises that you'll find life abundant and life free. So, I love how Jesus comes to us in the story and says, "I'm, I'm." I'm the hope that you've been looking for all along. And so again, when we think about the practice of or developing, you know, so real quick, I just want to make this Exodus, we have a command to practice the Sabbath, to live into the Sabbath. And it's, man, it's needed. We need to stop from our work and to have an intentional day where we rest in Jesus. But what Jesus is going to see in this rest of the story is that when jesus shows up on planet earth he's bringing new creation he's doing something he's inviting us to experience new life with him to experience the kingdom of god now that he's announced that hope is here now that i'm bringing a new the new gardens beginning now it's something that has happened it's now it's not yet it's kind of what hebrews is all about that we read about that right now, if you trust Jesus, there is rest. But there's coming a day where there's a future rest. We'll be with God forever in this new heaven and new earth. And he wants us to say, like, how do we live towards that day? How do we keep focused on that day? Well, Jesus gives us some ideas how to do that in chapter 12 in Matthew. He goes, haven't you read when David was walking in the is when he was walking uh, in the fields that here in the house of God, he and his companions, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful. So what Jesus, Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm 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 basically acquitting himself with David, I'm the I'm the I'm the legitimate king who's come to reign and rule. And what kings do is they they, they live in this garden space and they, they eat because resting with God God has brought this new rest into the world and entering into his houses, working with him and resting with him. Is that making sense? Like, So God's entered the world. He's like, this is his garden. And he's inviting you. When we invite him to do life with him, he's saying, we're living in the garden with him. He goes on to say, not only am I a better David or this new David, this your king, our king, but haven't you read in the law that the priests, and this is verse five, haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? So Jesus is saying, like, I'm, this, I'm the better priest. I'm the priest again. Now all these things we're pointing to, I've come to give you hope, to liberate you, to rescue you, to release you. And, I'm, and I'm, my work is not desecration. My work is kingdom, it's mercy, it's good. And he goes on. He says, "I even see this temple. I'm greater than the temple. The temple was basically a place where heaven and earth met. God took residency in this temple, and then the temple was designed to look like the Garden of Eden. And so, this garden, this little micro garden, what Jesus is saying is like when I come, when I've come into this world, incarnate God with us, the Garden of Eden is here with me. New things are beginning." New life has sprung forth. And then Jesus, again, to, like, just to remind them, this is what I want. It's not about all these. It's not about how well can you practice a sacred day. It's not about how well can you uh, enjoy these festivals. It's not all about can you, are you every seven years, are you uh, letting the lay, follow and taking a year off? He says it's really about are you desiring, is it changing you in the inside? Is it making you a person of mercy and not sacrifice? So we need these practices. We need to press into these habits and these rhythms and these rituals because they remind us that we are not yet in the kingdom of God in the the future, but we are now. So we need to be reminded. We need these practices. We need to stop every seven days and celebrate the kingdom of God. And then there's the one more story he goes in, and he goes and he heals we read that and some, here's the here's kind of what I just want to I want to massage and kind of just think about so Jesus he lived by some rhythms he lived by some rituals his yoke says follow me and I will show you how to live the easy life the kingdom life so he invites us to here's how to pray here's the Lord's prayer. Here's my, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. These are the ways that I want you to learn my unforced, unforced rhythms of grace. But Jesus, he practiced, he kept practicing the Sabbath. He kept finding times, but he kept also finding these little times in the day to get alone with God, to abide with him, to rest with him. He would also, like, as was his custom, he would observe Passover, these sacred meals, because for him, again, these were signposts that pointed to new life in him. So when you come to these times in the year, like Lent, or when you come to Christmas, or you come to Easter, or you come to whatever these rhythms and rituals, when you come to your, your morning devotion, these are signposts that are pointing you towards Jesus and life in his kingdom. And sometimes we can get, like, into this works-based theology where we think, like, well, if I just read my Bible every day, God will be happy with me. And we become a lot like the Pharisees. We kind of miss the point. Because God is more like, oh, how is this? When you come to my word, when you come to this this time of gathering in this service, this Sunday service, like, how is it getting into you and making you a person of mercy? How is it making you? Because I'm not really caring if you just show up. I'm not really caring if you like practice the Sabbath and it's not doing anything. I'm caring about how it's making you more like me in every way. Spring forward to the story, and you get to um, the end of the story, Matthew 28. It's a beautiful reminder that Jesus, he's resting on the Sabbath because he's been crucified, dead, and buried. And there were all the writers make a point to note that it was early in the morning the light of the first dawn so it's monday sunday morning the light's dawning it's kind of wants to flash back to genesis let there be light this god of the jubilee jesus shows up he's he, he lives a wonderful life the kingdom life and invites us to enter into this life he spends time with god he practices the festivals, the sacred days, and he says they all are all pointing to this wonderful new life in the kingdom of God. I am that life. Come to me, all you who are wearing. Find life in me. Do these practices because they are pointing to me. They're reminding you of life in me. So he goes to the grave. He's resting, and on, the, on, the, on Sunday morning, he raises up. And guess what happens? It changes the church. The church starts celebrating Sunday as the Lord's Day, so they don't do away. Most most Messianic Jews they would still practice Sabbath as a way to remind themselves, like who we are. But Sunday now became a day to say, like we are the people of the risen Christ. Let's go tell everybody that he's a, he's risen again. Come and let's celebrate all that God's doing in our midst. And so these these you can read Acts chapter two, and what happens with the church? They become a place that invites everybody to the table. It's not just for Jews, it's for everybody. Because the kingdom of God is broke, broken into the world. Everybody's, everybody's invited to the table. Everybody's coming to the table, to the banquet table of God. And so now the first day, Sunday, is a day, a new rhythm, a new price. It doesn't do away with the seventh day. The seventh day can still be a Sabbath unto the Lord. But now the Sunday has become a day that we can tell about the risen, resurrected Jesus. This is another rhythm, another practice that we can add that proclaims who? Proclaims Jesus. And so we, like the Pharisees, have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our hearts. That not about, That we're not practicing these rhythms, these rituals, as a means, but as a way that's pointing to grace, pointing to Jesus. So as you guys work as this church to practice the way of Jesus, as you move from Sabbath to prayer to silence to solitude. Remember, these practices point us to grace. They point us to Jesus. When you wake up today or tomorrow to to be alone with God, practice is great. Keep practicing those quiet devotions with God to change your heart. But remember, it's a means to get to the end, which is Jesus. When you come to Sunday, it's it's a means to get to Jesus, to become more like Jesus, proclaim Jesus in the world. Let's pray uh, together.
1: Lord, thank you that
0: you are the God who was and is and is to come. And Lord, I know I have rambled and I have, uh, you know, the best I can try to remind ourselves that we are a people I have been changed by you who is the Lord of the Sabbath. And Lord, so we, we want to live well into a Sabbath practice, if that's what you're asking us to do. We want to live well into a Sabbath, a day, and a way to we want to live well into a Sunday as a way to proclaim you and declare you that you are King, that you are the hope that we were looking for all along. And so we pause right now to say, Lord, is there something that you are asking of me in this moment as I look through this verse is there is there a yoke that I need to give up so I can press into you is there a choice that I've been making that's led me far away from you but not to you and so right now Lord maybe some of you are needs to say Lord I just I want to choose you again and I want to develop some rhythms and some rituals and practices that remind me that you are the way the truth and the life I pray that somebody here today would do that. Lord, thank you that you are our rest. Keep changing our hearts to be people that will live into your rest and live like your kingdom has come now. And help us to do kingdom things today and tomorrow and the next day that would point people to you and that we would do all that is good in holding your sight. In Christ's name I pray thank you so much for listening we'd love to hear how God is working in your life you can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website sojournpdx.org